welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott2D2, and joining me is Hamish3PO, Human Podcast Relations. Yes, I am. And <laughs> I know how to speak multiple languages. Just not English or any of them that people can understand, because it's space language. Space language. What? Space language, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. When I watch Star Wars, there are no <laughs> subtitles for those monsters. Well, this week we watched an episode of a very seldom remembered chapter in the Star Wars saga, the short-lived mid-80s cartoon Star Wars Droids, The Adventures of R2-D2 and C-3PO, which is really the first Star Wars prequel. Ugh. They don't get much better after this. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sorry, I was about to say, like, well, they do, and then it's like... No, they don't. They, well, the last don't. one, Rogue One, as we've covered in you know extensively okay. on this podcast, was great. But you know, okay, there, that one, yes. But, <laughs> there was know. a dip after this. Yeah, there's a bit of a, a down. But this is you know this is the the different adventures. Yes, yes. And I'm not I'm not sure if even if they're they're canon. Well, they we'll get into that. They they were for a time. Well, more specifically, for this episode of the podcast, we watched the episode entitled The Revenge of Kaibo Ren. It was written by Peter Sauter and directed by Ken Stevenson and Raymond Jeffelis. Peter Sauter and Ken Stevenson, just on a side note, they have tons of experience working on children's shows. Uh, they had both worked on Inspector Gadget previous to this. They went on for a long time uh, making kids' cartoons, uh, probably for the next couple of decades after this. Now, if you saw the title of this episode in our podcast episode title, perhaps you thought that this was a typo, and we will definitely get into it, this whole thing of a character named Kaibo Ren. Yeah, so why did you choose this episode? <laughs> <laughs> exactly for that reason. There, there's, a, there's another reason in there, too, we can get into. It's just kind of an interesting piece of Star Wars history here. Mm, because of a one-letter one difference. <laughs> it, it's quite intriguing. Now, this episode aired on October 26th, 1985, which, again, on another side note, just so happens to be the same day that Marty McFly left for the future. So this episode was so bad that <laughs> Marty left <laughs> to see what else was uh, coming in 2015. <laughs> it's like, I gotta leave. This is awful. <laughs> Marty, don't buy the box set. <laughs> Doc, you can't go to the future. Why? Uh, it, it's just the reasons why I can't tell you. <laughs> Is it Georgia Binks? Anyway, that's a whole side thing. I got, I got fan fiction. Yes, yes. Two months later, he would have seen Force Awakens, but he was too impatient. <laughs> anyway, uh, now just for some backstory on this series, if you're not familiar, this was an animated series that ran for a single 13-episode season from September 7th, 1985 to November 30th, 1985, on ABC. And it also had a TV special that aired June 7th, 1986. It actually premiered, they did like a preview special, uh, premiered with a, a Tony Danza thing. It's, yeah, quite interesting. <laughs> we don't even need to <laughs> get into Tony that. Danza. Uh, here's the problem. It's like, you mentioned like, oh, Tony Danza. And there'll be kids like, who's that? And like, okay, cool. He's yeah. the boss. What do you mean, yeah, he's that? the he's he's the boss. Yeah, you know, hold me closer, Tony Danza. <laughs> now this cartoon was produced by Nelvana, which also animated that Boba Fett cartoon sequence in the Star Wars Holiday Special. And of course, for more on that, check out our episode of that on our archives. We don't need to revisit that. So they were pretty impressed by Nelvana's work 
in that holiday special, so they commissioned them to create this droid series, as well as an Ewoks animated series that ran around this time. I believe Ewoks actually lasted for two seasons, not just one. Oh, because uh, people couldn't get enough of those Ewoks, really. Yes. <laughs> it's like one series wasn't enough to tell the rich story of these small bear-like creatures. Well, of course, you know, they're a little more easier to translate to a kid's cartoon, I think. And I, I think it was for budgetary reasons as well. Uh, this just ran for the one season, and it reportedly ran as high as 500000 to $600,000 per episode. Mm-hmm. Which was the, <laughs> the highest of any cartoon at that time. I mean, that's amazing. For 1986. Yeah. I mean, you're <laughs> trying to explain it to kids, and you show the quality of this TV show, and they'll be like, excuse me? <laughs> That? Really? Now, it, also, we should note, it was, of course, created by George Lucas, but it's interesting to note that Ben Burt also had a hand in the creation of this series. Uh, for those that don't know, we co- actually talked about it on the podcast, I think, two or three weeks ago. Uh, ben Burt is heavily involved in all of the Star Wars films and the additional properties, and, as we talked about you know, before, the young Indiana Jones series and other Indiana Jones properties, he is the sound designer. Uh, for George Lucas. He crafted the unique sounds like lightsabers and blasters and did the voice, if you want to call it a voice, for R2-D2. Wow. So he was the guy standing there going bleep, bloop, bloop, bleep? Exactly, yeah. Doing the whistles and everything and modulating his own voice. Um, <laughs> I can just imagine him doing a line read going bleep, bloop, bloop, bleep. Oh, wait, guys. I got that wrong. <laughs> it's bloop, bleep, de bloop. I'm sorry, guys. I know I've been here for three hours and I just can't get that line right. Cut. Can't get the emotion that I need from that bleep. <laughs> so due to those connections to the Star Wars films, having Lucas and Ben Burt working on the series, the prequel trilogy actually featured a few references of a couple of different elements or something that borrowed from the show in that trilogy. And uh, one is in this episode. We'll get into it later on. But uh, yeah, some things actually did carry over from the series and they were technically canon until the Disney takeover. Those monsters, why would they Why would they force <laughs> this on to more people? Now, uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit, Hamish, before we recorded, but mm. uh, you never really saw this one at aired, right? No, I, I, I can't say that we got the amazing adventures of a robot man in trash can uh, <laughs> down here, unfortunately. I, I, I think well, they did, if I did the research enough to find it, but I think maybe... Yeah, unfortunately, I can't recall a time I've actually seen this... Yeah, same here. I I have never seen this show prior to my viewing for this podcast. Mm. Uh, you know, it aired in the in the mid eighties. We we were both too young to see it, and then it was just a matter of who reran it, where it reran. I, I think I read something about the Sci Fi Network picked it up for a little bit, and mm. uh, I didn't have the Sci Fi Channel uh, in my cable package, so it's just one of those shows that was barely on, and I never saw it. And then it it did have some VHS releases, which uh, just you know, I never had a copy of. Uh, there was a DVD put out in 2004, but it's pretty funny. Uh, just like we talked about a few weeks ago in our young Indiana Jones episode, George Lucas, of course, had to change it for the home video release. It's It seems like he's done this with everything. Every time I, you know, research something for the podcast and it's a George Lucas property, it has been changed for the DVD. He has to change everything. 
Well, he does it actually for his home videos as well. So, you know, he goes out with his family, videotapes him, and goes like, oh, look, here's my kids on a swing and stuff like that, brings it back home, and then all of a sudden the kids are on, you know, swinging above a sarlacc pit, and, you know, there's stormtroopers <laughs> in the background, and he's like, this looks so much better! And then his family leave the room, and he just sits there alone watching these remasters of his own life. <laughs> it's quite possible. Uh, so, for the 2004 DVD release, uh, the name of the series was actually changed. Uh, here it's now called Star Wars Animated Adventures, colon, Droids. He did that because he also <laughs> wanted to put out Star Wars Animated Adventures, colon, Ewoks. Uh, this DVD actually featured only eight of the 13 episodes, and he spliced them together to form two feature-length videos, movies. Uh, so Ooh. episodes five through eight were combined and retitled The Pirate and the Prince, which uh, also had a VHS release, The the hmm. Pirate and the Prince. You could have bought this previous to the DVD release. Uh, the episode that we're covering is actually from this Pirate and the Prince. So if you have a copy of that, you'll be able to see it there. Uh, episodes 10 through 13 were combined and retitled The Treasure of the Hidden Planet. But episodes one through four never showed up on the DVD. Must have been a weird conversation he had with the people when he's getting it all put out. And was it DVD or getting it home release? He's like going, guys, I need to put a colon in these works. <laughs> it's like, George, it's it's called Droids. Everyone knows it as Droids. And everyone knows the other show is Ewoks. Why don't you just call it Droids and Ewoks? You know, Star Wars, Droids and Ewoks. Like, no, not good enough. We have to tell people it's animated. <laughs> but the box art has a, has a, has a cartoon. It. We have to tell people it's animated. They won't know the difference between animation right, right. and real life. Also, get another colon. Just more colons in there. <laughs> I am George Lucas. That's that's my impression of George Lucas. I could do one, but it it will be a while. Yeah, spot on, spot on. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 he's pretty slow. <laughs> All right, so before we begin the revenge of Kaibo Ren, I, I have to explain where we are in the story, because this timeline is just so convoluted. The droids actually end up getting different masters throughout the series. They they just get shuffled off to different people, and we're we're kind of like halfway through the the actual story. All right, so here we are. The events of Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith have taken place. Uh, of course, the movie would not be out for another twenty years, but the the basic concepts were there. We know the Republic had fallen to the Empire. The Jedi were nearly wiped out. All that stuff. So that's already all happened. And this show takes place in that 19-year period between the rise of the Empire and the events of A New Hope. I believe it's actually 16 years before A New Hope this episode takes place. So R2-D2, C-3PO, they have four different sets of masters in this 19-year window. Even though very clearly in A New Hope, C-3PO says that Captain Antilles was his last master, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. I remember that. But, <laughs> I, 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 again, I don't know how much, you know context is it's it's an interesting point in time it was like 19 years and these guys have had like multiple multiple people it's so many adventures as they as they say of course it's worthy of a series mm. evidently so yeah so this had to be explained away by different sources the star wars visual guide just mentions well the droids were accidentally separated at one point and then there was a StarWars.com blog that later elaborated on the story, uh, saying that there was some sort of pirate raid on the Tantive Four, and the escape pods, including one with the droids, was jettisoned. Like we were talking about, it doesn't really matter, because the Disney takeover took place, and the series was removed from canon and is part of Star Wars Legends. So we don't need to really worry too much about 
this 19-year period between the two movies. Aww. <laughs> so, in the first episode of the series, their master jettisons them over the deserts of Ingo, where they are taken in by speeder bike racers named George Dusat and Thal Jobin. Uh, a gang known as the Froms hires Boba Fett to get revenge on the team, but Boba Fett turns the tables on them and decides, well, he's going to claim a bounty uh, that was placed on the Froms by Jabba the Hutt. So... That's, you know, like their first kind of story, yeah. a nice little Boba Fett cameo. Afterwards, the team is offered jobs at a speeder bike corporation, uh, but the only catch is that the droids would have to be reprogrammed, so they refuse. But R2-D2 and C-3PO decide, well, no, they'll leave their masters so that they can take those jobs. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's what they call Cycle 1. That was their first master cycle. Uh, they next end up with a new master named Jan Tosh, who we will see in, in this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, with him, they become embroiled in this plot to thwart plans to seize the throne of the planet Tamuzan. Uh, they are actually captured and they're forced to mine uh, for fuel that's used for Empire torpedoes. And while there, they befriend a fellow prisoner who ends up being a character named Mon Julpa, the prince of Temuzan. Mm. Uh, fortunately, they are able to escape. They head to Temuzan uh, with fuel uh, with a freighter pilot named Jessica Mead. These are all people we're going to see in this episode. By the way, these are great names, i got to say. All these people have very, <laughs> very normal names. I think Jessica is the only one I've actually noticed, which is a very normal name so far. Yes. Uh, it's again. It's it's a it's a great collection of people. Very rich. Very great universe. <laughs> <laughs> now, on their way to deliver fuel to Tamazon, their ship is taken over by the fearsome space pirate Kaibo Ren. <laughs> he brings them to a different planet where Kaibo is actually quite interested in Jessica. But there, the group manages to recapture the fuel shipment and rescue Jessica. And they finish their journey at Tamuzan, and they place Kaibo Ren there in a dungeon. Oh. So now, for this episode that we're going to be talking about, the protagonists are a group consisting of Jan Tosh. He's the guy that's kind of the masters of the droids right now. Mm -hmm. The prince named Monjulpa. Mm -hmm. The freighter pilot Jessica Mead. Mm -hmm. And of course, the droids. R2-D2, C-3PO. That brings us to our episode. <laughs> well, it all, it all makes sense. So it's all <laughs> coming together. We'll try to make sense of this. Like I said, it's a very complicated and convoluted plot. It, it's, it's a kid's show, and it's meant to showcase goofy animation. Like, there's a... Was it the gif you were showing me of R2-D2 playing the guitar, you know? Hey, he loves rocking out in that... I think I want to say bass guitar or electric guitar. He, he, he pulls it out at time to time. He really does. <laughs> well, speaking of rock and roll, we'll, we'll get right into this episode. We have an opening sequence with a theme entitled Trouble Again. Mm. Really rockin' song. It was performed and co-written by Stuart Copeland of The Police. It, good. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I listened to this track, and it doesn't really sell the show. Like, if I heard this song, it just sounds like it's, it's the montage music to either Lethal Weapon or something like that. Well, it's like trouble again. That's it. That's the main thing I'm taking away from it. But it's it's just it's just okay. So these robots keep getting in a lot of trouble. Cool. That's again uh, again. You know. But that's it. I mean, yeah. I know. 
not too many kid shows need to... I mean, some of them over-explain it in the opening titles. Other cartoons, you know, spend way too much time telling you exactly what the show is. But with this show, yeah, don't worry about it. Just a couple of rambling robots going across the galaxy, getting into a lot of kooky <laughs> trouble again by... Again and again. Again and again. I mean, you know, it? This, is, this is done by a very popular band at the time. Well, one of the members of a very popular band. Uh, yeah, the police were huge at this time. Yeah, it's just like when um, The Edge did the music to the TV show, The Batman. <laughs> so anyway, so we begin with the title of the episode. We pan from space down to this futuristic-looking castle, this citadel. Uh, cutting inside, R2-D2 pushes a cake and, I guess, some other food on a <laughs> cart down a stone hallway as C-3PO runs alongside, still trying to decorate it. Yeah, what the heck was that about? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I was looking at it and I, and I watched that little sequence like twice and going, what is he doing? Because it looks like he's pouring milk onto a tray. Well, R2 obviously is just... Basically for R2, this thing is right in his face. Like, you know, he's yes. shoving a, a, tr- a trolley down this corridor, which is funny because I thought we're in some sort of spacey future where, you know, you probably have a hover tray or something like that. You know, some sort of right, hover sure. thing. But instead, you have this old... You know, metal-looking uh, high school cafeteria <laughs> trolley that they're pushing down. Or you have a droid with, like, a flat head that can hold cakes, oh, you know? Yeah. Also, side note, uh, C-3PO is running. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 a lot of C-3PO action in this. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised. Like, that's the, like, why, if this is all part of the canon of Star Wars, how come he can run here, but you see him in the movies, he's just like, hang on, guys, <laughs> let me just slightly shuffle along a little bit at a slightly faster rate than I normally walk right. at. But this, he's like, hey guys, and he's like, arms are swinging around, up and wildly moving, and his legs are, you know, kicking about as if he's in a marathon. Yeah. You know, he's very scared. He's very scared. Those little arm joints that connect from his, was it, uh, midsection to his arm, you know, that kind of, you know, stop him from lifting his arms too high or, you know, spreading him too wide, they don't seem to be there. He just seems to be loving life, running around like a droid... <laughs> Off the leash. <laughs> now, this cake evidently is for Lord Toda, who is a, a guest of King Julpa. The two are political rivals who are actually meeting to negotiate peace. So the droids are really carting around this food, making sure everything is perfect. And as we were saying, they're just so nervous, or at least C-3PO <laughs> is, that, uh, you know, they're not going to get this food and it's going to ruin everything. Sorry, I like that. They're, they're trying to be careful. They're really in a hurry. But then let's think R2-D2 does like a burnout. <laughs> like, yeah. He, he kinda, oh, yeah. He kind of drifts around some sort of, was it, center column, whatever, for a bit <laughs> before before following C-3PO into the other room. I know it's supposed to be right. them kind of like, you know, goofy going, oh, we got to get this thing. It's so important. But, you know, R2-D2 just kind of pulling out some Fast and Furious action doesn't seem, doesn't seem right. Now, meanwhile, outside the palace, we see this villainous character. This is a character named Jin Oba. Uh, Jin, spelt J-Y-N, exactly like Jin Urso, which is kind of another interesting coincidence. Uh, he's the first mate of Kaibo Ren. Uh, he's attempting to climb a rope into an upper floor window, but this is just as R2-D2 is just going crazy and pushes the cart straight through the window, which dumps, well, presumably the entire contents down on Jin Oba below. Yeah, he kind of really drives it to the window. I don't see, like, there's no point where you see him <laughs> stop and go, hey, which way do we go? It's just like, do you know what? Full speed ahead. Yeah. 
It's very strange. So we cut to this meeting room. We see Toda and Julpa. They're seated on kind of like thrones opposite each other. They're flanked by other officials, guards, and some family members. Uh, we see Toda's children, Jaren, his daughter, and Kobe, his son. Now, Kobe, we should note, he's kind of like this blue alien kid. He's wearing a baseball cap, <coughs> and he's holding a pet cat. Is it a cat? Well, you know, space cat, whatever. All right, space, <laughs> you know, space cat. I don't know. He, why do they bring their kids along? I don't know. Because I, I would not ki- uh, have my kids yeah. at this very serious meeting about a guy who, you know, is threatening to murder me. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering if Kobe, the character of Kobe is there just so it's like kids can relate. But Kobe really doesn't do much in this episode. You know, I thought he was going to be like the tag along character for this adventure. But no, he just kind of stays put the whole time. No, he's just there for a reference for um, us to talk about, basically. Just, uh, I guess. just us to go like... Kobe, you know, like the basketball player. Yeah, this was, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was actually, the first version of Kobe before there was a Kobe. Well, actually, another just kind of footnote on this whole thing is that Kobe Bryant is K-O-B-E. That's the Kobe that we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually C-O-B-Y. But the box, I think the, the box on either the VHS or the DVD actually misspelled his name, Kobe, K-O-B-E. So possibly that was an influence of Kobe Bryant. That whoever uh, typeset the packaging made that mistake. Actually, you know what? I think it's in the subtitles. I think that's where the mistake was made. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just kind of funny that uh, Kobe, or Kobe Japan, you know, it's the same mm. same spelling, mm-hmm. uh, kind of was the uh, spelling error here. But who cares about Kobe? Well. Means nothing to this episode. Well, I think Kobe Bryant, we can now understand, is a Star Wars character. There we go. Fact. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. In the opening credits, you did have R2-D2 playing himself in this movie, by the way. In his oh, TV yeah, show, yeah. sorry, you know, voiced by himself, like Anthony Daniels voices C three PO, but R two D two voiced by himself. So that means <laughs> outside in the studio booth, Anthony Daniels walks out of the booth and goes, "Well, that was a great recording session," and then talks to R two D two, who's real. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing because you you know you know Ben Burt is doing the the whistles and and stuff, but no, they want to R two D two is himself. He's his own. Separate character. Obviously, Kenny Baker had nothing to do with uh, voicing it. But, uh, yeah, interesting that Anthony Daniels, very big credit in this, Mm. uh, just shows you, man, he's been in everything Star Wars. You know, every movie, every cartoon, Mm. it's all him. Mm. Uh, But Ben Burt is actually the cover name for R2-D2. So, you know, that's how he's uh, controlling Star Wars at the moment. He has an in-depth knowledge Ah. of the whole thing. That's why he's in charge of this whole situation. But again, you know, okay. R2-D2, when he leaves for this job, he goes off and does other jobs. Like, he was doing the uh, voiceover work for um, Splendor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I caught that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah the sugar. Uh, yeah, and also probably doing uh, any ad for I Can't Believe It's Not Butter. Yeah, that's him. I mean, he modulates his voice differently for the voiceover work, but, that, mm-hmm. but that's obviously yeah. R2-D2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can definitely pick up the, uh, the subtle nuances there, yeah. Droid's got to work. <laughs> but anyway, so we're back in the hallway with the kids. No, yeah. If, if this episode isn't full of footnotes as it is, there's also some fake ones thrown. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to the episode. We mentioned Kobe. Uh, sitting on uh, Manjopa's side of the room are Jan Tosh and Jessica Mead. These are the, the guy and the girl that, uh, you know, have, are part of this group of protagonists, for lack of a better term. We should mention, too, Lord Toda and his people are blue. 
they're blue skinned. Uh, Monjulpa and his people, they're kind of more purple, like a faded purple color, but their designs are very similar. So I guess they want us to realize that they're kind of from two different sides, but they're all the same species. Uh, they're all from the same system. Remember, this, yeah. this is supposed to talk about peace between two different tribes or yeah. cities or people or whatnot. Yeah, they, they don't really specify. Maybe it's in another episode, but just the, the Tamuzan, I guess, is maybe the, the planet or the system, and they're from different moons or planets within that system, but they don't really specify. But anyway, Jopla explains that they should all be on the same side so they can unite the planet against threats like the pirate Kaibo Ren. Tota seems weary of the whole meeting, citing the fact that Julpa has been away from the throne for so long, plus the fact that they had already captured Kaibo Ren and placed them in their dungeon. And I was watching this, I'm like, yeah, Lord Tota has a very good point. We have to stop this threat of Kaibo Ren. It's like, isn't he like in the bottom floor in a jail cell? Like, why are we even doing this? Mm. Where's my cake? <laughs> I said, I'm tired of this. Cake time. Yeah. Well, it's true. It's like, if, if you have them locked up, it's like, well, why are we talking about this? This is this has nothing yeah. to do with anything. Now, Lord Tota's daughter, Jaren, she's like, um, you know, the, the blue alien girl in this. She wants her father to make peace with Monjolpa and his people for the good of the planet. Uh, but the meeting doesn't go that smoothly. Tota assumes it's a trick. And then Jolpa's advisor, Solag calls Tota a barbarian, which really should mean nothing to them in that galaxy. Uh, Tota yells, barbarian! And he kicks his ottoman across the room. And they're, they're about ready to fight. Sorry, it's like that. The first thing that's near him is that ottoman. It's like, bang. That's it. It's like, I hate your decor! I don't understand what a barbarian means! I've never been to Earth! Exactly. <laughs> Of course, they're, they're all about to fight, but of course it doesn't happen. The tense moment is diffused as the droids barge into the room with the food cart, crashing into the wall, after which Kobe's cat runs over and licks the cake frosting off of C-3PO's face, making everybody laugh. A lot. Yeah, it's, it's a big tonal shift. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, I'm going to ever. fight you and I'm going to hurt you. And then, you know, everyone's like, ha <laughs> kooky robots. Like, even, like, Lord Tota, who they're, you know, kind of setting up as kind of uh, not so much a villain in this, but, you know, he's not on the side of good. He's not on our guy's side, anyway. Mm. So, but even him, he, he looks at C-3PO and he's like, eventually, ha, 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 and he loses it, too. They all start laughing. And then, of course, where did the cake come from? Didn't that just fly out the window a minute ago? I, again, I'm not sure. It's um, <laughs> it's it's a very bizarre situation that we find ourselves in. I guess someone forgot. <laughs> it's like someone was looking at the footnotes and go, "All right, cake goes out the window. Uh, that's a tray of food. All right, cool. Uh, all right, next scene. Cake comes through the door. Like no one was paying attention to that. They just no. wanted cake. Because again, I guess the alternative <laughs> would be R two D two and C three PO walk in and go, "I'm sorry, but we lost the cake." Which would have added more disappointment to a scene which was already very high tension. You know, with, with two yes. characters about to fight, then two robots come in and goes, Hey guys, that cake you wanted, that's gone. <laughs> Out the window. <laughs> it's like, that is, that is gone completely. I'm sorry. Are you guys going to fight now? And he pulls his arm off and starts smacking him in the head with it. Oh, don't don't go too far. We'll, we'll, we'll have arm removal pretty soon. <laughs> uh, so... 
this laughter is is it's it's so funny just to see them like all crack up like every last one of them and it lasts for a long time they must have really had to fill some time in this episode but the laughter ends abruptly uh tota tells julpa he's suspicious of his tricks and he along with his guards just march out of the room I'm like okay yeah at the end of that but Jaren, his daughter, kind of lingers behind, and she tells them that they will have her father's answer tomorrow. So we can see why she's at least there with her father. She, they mention, not here, but later on, that she is a princess. So she is kind of in with that royal family, so that's why she's there. I guess Kobe is a prince, technically, even though he's just Ash Ketchum, but blue. <laughs> think, think of Ash Ketchum, but he's choking. That's it. No, he's as if Ash was a Pokemon that caught himself. That's what Kobe is. My brain is trying to work that one out. I can't think. I can't work away out of that one. It's like, yep. Speaking of captives, we next cut to the dungeon cell holding the pirate Kaibo Ren, who we see is just kind of pacing around. Now, all right, this was a big deal. So let's pause here to discuss this character. Uh, first, the name. His name is actually Gear Kaibo Rencha. Oh. But he's called Kaibo Ren for short. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of this, Hamish? A, a, a character named Kaibo Ren, when they've just set up within the past couple of years, we're going to have a brand new trilogy. They're going to relaunch Star Wars with an antagonist named Kylo Ren. So what do you what do you make of this? That I'm glad I didn't see droids. <laughs> Here's the thing. Okay, if you haven't seen... What this Kaibo Ren character? I mean, if, hopefully everyone's seen what Kylo Ren looks like. Just Google him. But Kaibo Ren, yeah. I mean, the similarities of these two characters—it's—it's it's so close, so close. <laughs> uh, because Kylo Ren, you know, God, what age would he be? Like early thirties. Yeah, early thirties. Wears black cloak, black hood, has lightsaber. You know, he's very, very conflicted inside. He's a bit of a bad guy. You know. A little bit of an emo guy, long hair, white guy. Uh, Kaibo Ren, on the other, other hand, large, heavy set bloke with a skull on a t shirt and like weird hats on his head with goggles on it, with a mustache, a very thin mustache. Uh, yes. Seems like. Whisper. Yeah, it seems like the red skull motif, especially, you know, again, on his. I'm not sure if it is a shirt. I'm hoping that it's a shirt. And he has like a shoulder armor. And yeah, yeah. It, he's. um. The, uh, I, the the similarities are amazingly close, and again, he does sound like <laughs> the replacement voice of Doctor Claw, who you know was in for a couple episodes. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah he he's he's humanoid. Yeah. He's like Kylo Ren. I mean, that's about it as far as being humanoid. Uh, actually, more specifically, he is a Ropagu space pirate from the planet Tarnunga. He is a uh, very kind of portly heavyset guy we got the long wispy mustache and the goatee because he's evil you know he needs to have that so we know um the like you talked about the armor it's like a purple shoulder pad for like playing football but it covers the top of his head mm. very odd um design on this character and, and just another note is on that tan colored shirt that red skull that's a wampa that's a wampa skull insignia what <laughs> which yeah which evidently is the symbol of the pirates of Tarnunga. Uh, why Wampa? I don't know. Have they been to Hoth? Maybe. <laughs> it's that's a, like that doesn't it, it to me that barely looks like a Wampa. It looks like a red Mighty Ducks logo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's barely anything going on to make you think it's a Wampa, but that's from my research. That's what it yeah. is. 
when I was looking through a list of episodes to go over and I saw that name Kaibo Ren, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And I'm sure many other people familiar with this series also had the same thought a couple years ago when Force Awakens was announced and those character names came out. So I'm sure it was kind of a big thing back then. I was like, all right, we got to get to the bottom of this. Where did this name come from? And sadly, there's no clear answer. (laughs) We know that J.J. Abrams was very reverent of all the Star Wars properties. No doubt he had seen this cartoon or had heard of it. Was he a fan of it? We don't know. Uh, But it was just very interesting that Kaibo Ren and Kylo Ren are so close. A couple of thoughts I saw online Uh, Again, no clear answers, just everyone's speculation. Uh, One school of thought is that it's absolutely a coincidence that, uh, as we know, as we had found out, that Kylo Ren actually comes from uh, Skywalker and Solo. You know, they took the KY and the LO. Mm -hmm. That's where, and he's from the Knights of Ren. And this is Gear Kaibo Ren Cha. And the fact that it was shortened to Kaibo Ren, and then we have a character, Kylo Ren. That's just a coincidence. You got all kinds of random syllables out there and all the different properties of Star Wars, the movies, the cartoons, the novels. There's bound to be a coincidence like this. Scott, Scott, I think you've fallen into a kind of territory of Fox Mulder where you've got like a pin board with different photos and red <laughs> string attached to it. You said you've, you've really gone in depth with this. You're like, you, you don't understand. Maybe it's this and this. And I can see you just, you know, in your apartment, just, you know, moving pins around and, you know, with stacks of paper with so many clues. You know, maybe, maybe that's the point. The truth is out there, Hamish. <laughs> The truth is out there. We know aliens exist. We're watching Star Wars. <laughs> I, I have a poster that says, I, I want to believe. It has like a Y-wing on it. <laughs> I have a t-shirt that says, I want to believe. But instead, it's uh, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. It's, it's, it's a great but, motif. But I, I think you, you're getting into some realm here. But maybe this is the only way, literally the only way that they could think of trying to subtly nod towards these adventures. You know, a very whisper of its former self. Yes, and that that's the other idea, too, is that, okay, it's not a coincidence. These guys, kind of with a wink and a nod to fans, are like, hey, you remember this? It has nothing to do with anything going forward, but, you know, hey, here's here's Jin. You know, we've seen that name before. Here's Kylo Ren instead of Kaibo Ren. Because you got to imagine when J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan come up with this script, that everyone at Lucasfilm, everyone at, you know, Star Wars... Disney, they're looking through these names. You're telling me there's no database or, or anybody that said, hey, or, you know, I used to watch this cartoon, and this, this is way too close to a name that's already been used. you got to imagine that somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> had figured this out, you know, before us doing this podcast are like, whoa, what? So uh, that's why it, it seems as though maybe it's just a very 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 subtle nod to all of the fun stuff in the past okay i'll put it this way in the old series of star wars there was ben kenobi and in the new series you got ben solo yeah i i don't think they've actually gone too far with names unfortunately right right <laughs> you know i i don't know i don't know nobody Let's does put a call into jj abrams and have a chit chat with him i mean he's not doing star wars at the moment right right you know he's he was just in charge of you know, pushing it out there and, you know, it's an ongoing winding story, I think. Yes, yes. And so, dear Hitting Play listener, I I wish we had an answer for you, Uh, but no, it's just either a coincidence or not, and that really doesn't narrow it down much. (laughs) So, (laughs) 
Anyway, getting back to this episode, we saw Kaibo Ren walking around the dungeon. All of a sudden, the cell door opens, and inside, it's Kaibo's trusted first mate, Jin Oba, there to rescue him. And uh, we learn that he had taken the Tamazon guards out with a handheld stunner device. It's a giant hand buzzer. Yeah. But like, it doesn't work like a hand buzzer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's a Joker's hand buzzer. That's, That's all it is. Basically. Yeah, do you know what the funny thing about it is? is I don't know how he found his cell, because I'm sure there's probably multiple cells down there, but I'm probably sure that he knew how to find Kaibo Ren's cell, because Kaibo Ren refers to himself as Kaibo Ren <laughs> multiple times throughout this entire episode. Yes. Like, it's just like, ah, it's like, you cannot stop Kaibo Ren. Kaibo Ren is going to get a salad. Ha ha, Kaibo Ren is opening a door and now I've lost my keys. <laughs> Kaibo Ren tells us what nobody can and can't do regarding Kaibo Ren. Yes, we, we know that quite well. Yeah, he, he really loves saying his own name. It's like a guy <laughs> who's changed his name. Like, his name used to be Steve Gregson, but now he's changed it to Kaibo Ren, and he wants to be cool about it. Like, he really wants people to know about it. Like, you know, hey guys, Kaibo Ren will have a coffee. Uh-huh. Kaibo Ren repainted his apartment. Kaibo Ren is saving 50% on his car insurance. <laughs> So, basically, he busts them out. We don't exactly see how, but the two make their way out to the Starship docking bay. Uh, Cutting to the docking bay, we see Jan Tosh working on his A-wing with the droids. It was nice to see uh, a ship that we recognize. Uh, C-3PO, of course, presses a button, which lowers the dome on the cockpit, trapping Jan and R2-D2 inside. So, C-3PO goes to look for help and goes back into the building, walking past... Munjulpa, Jaren, and then Kaibo Ren along with Jin Oba. And the pirates (laughs) seem pretty familiar, but he decides not to give it any further thought. And he keeps walking. A Mm. short while later, the escape alarm goes off, which is quite the delay. (laughs) You know, you got to imagine it's been, say, at least 10, 15 minutes. And C-3PO realizes that he just walked past the villainous Jin Oba. So he runs back out to the docking bay to warn Jantosh, but... It's too late. By the way, I, I, I want to say this. If you don't know what Jantosh looks like, he looks like a young Rob Lowe. That's the, literally the early description I got. It's just, he looks like a young Rob Lowe. Even that chin they've got like built into <laughs> his face. That's what I think he looks like. Just young Rob Lowe, but in space. Yeah, sure. Just, you know, just, you know. I'm, I'm just helping the visuals for this whole situation. Also, it's strange to see R2-D2 jammed into a seat. Yeah, that's true <laughs> too, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's like... I thought there was, like, a spot for those droids to be implanted into, and, like, they do all the diagnostics and things like that. But, you know, in this, he has them, like, really jammed into that seat. And I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, not quite sure either, like, how to get in there or anything. Yeah, it's like, I, I know there's, like, a, a special crane to lift them up, but it's like, he's just kind of jammed to a seat behind our hero here. Yeah, he's just riding shotgun. He's not, he's, uh, he's off duty. Yeah, like, he literally can't do anything. There's nothing he do beyond bleep bloop behind him while he's driving the spaceship. Yeah. He's like the, the radio. <laughs> it's like, all right, play me some sweet jams. <laughs> and he's, he just starts playing classical gas like over and over again. He's like, don't you have anything else? It's like, you just, you're just playing the same song over and over again. And he says, like, I haven't updated anything, okay? Nope, not that song. Not that song. And he just keeps flipping through it. Like, do you have any more of these? Do you have like, trouble you have again? So it's like, oh, it's the theme to, oh, Caddyshack. Okay. <laughs> Well, anyway, back to the loading dock here. Jin and Kaibo Ren find uh, Monjulpa at the docking bay, 
and Jin knocks him out with the stunner device, which, you know, you see this thing strapped to his hand, so you think he had to, you know, touch the guy's shoulder or, you know, shake hands with them or whatever. No, he Ooh. actually holds his hand up in this beam made of pink rings fires from it but yeah i think the animation whatever. department said like you know what we read the brief it says we, you know he goes over and touches the guy no we can't we're not gonna do that we'll just leave him there and do an effect <laughs> that's it yeah not not too stealthy but whatever so he knocks him out a uh, gent hosh and r2d2 they're still trapped inside that parked a-wing they can only sit there and watch while this all goes on uh mm. Jin next goes after jaren but man she's pretty strong she Flips him, takes the stunner. Yeah, she, Judo flips him around. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, of flipping in here. She, she mm. tries to use it on Kaibo Ren, but then C-3PO lunges at Kaibo Ren. This is the most aggressive I've ever seen him in anything. Also, again, running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, at, at a full pelt, I gotta say. Like, yeah, I've, I've never seen in any of the Star Wars canon... C3, C-3PO run as if he's some sort of, I don't know, like linebacker? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Really it really powers into the kid. Yeah, sprang into action. Uh, and of course, it ruins everything. C-3PO just ruins everything for everybody in this. Yeah. Because Jaren would have just stunned him with the stunner and that would have been the end of it. But nope. Mm. So Kaibo Ren picks up C-3PO, throws him at Jaren... Then, which, of course, mm. knocks the stunner off. No one can hold on to the thing. <laughs> so he picks it up just as Jantosh pushes his way out of the A-Wing cockpit. Actually, a weird side note. Um, Kaibo has a gun. <laughs> Does he? I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I noticed this in the episode. It's like, oh, they're fighting. And it's like, wait, why are they using the stunner? He has a gun. Like, it's drawn onto his belt. He has a gun <laughs> on him. I think it's even in the first scene. He has a gun and they're escaping. And it's like, you're not using that? Why does he like, even have it? They, yeah, it's like, they would why'd you, yeah, it's like, why did you leave him with the gun? And, <laughs> you know, he's standing there, you know, and he uses C-3PO's weapon, but it's like, you have a gun. Like, you are not picking that up. You're not doing anything. Instead, he just decides, you know, oh, well, I guess we're all using the stunner today. Let's use the stunner. <laughs> it must be, you know, that, that idea that Saturday morning kids' cartoons can't be that violent. That's why we get a lot of pushing and flipping and, mm. um, you know, stunning. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even notice that. So Jantosh and R2-D2, they get their way out of the cockpit. Kaibo Ren then stuns Jan and Jaren, takes Jaren, and flies away with her in an A-wing. So Jessica, who hasn't been here for any of this, she runs over and arrives just as Kaibo Ren flies away with Jaren and everyone then wakes up from their stunning. Yeah, that stun thing doesn't seem to last long. Not long at all. <laughs> See, it seems to be like a, a mild inconvenience. Yes. And speaking of mild inconvenience, we now go into a commercial break. So why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break ourselves? We'll pay some bills and we'll be right back. Tonight on a Hitting Play exclusive channel, Hamish sits down with George Lucas to talk about the Hitting Play Special Edition. George, what was your idea about the Hitting Play Special Edition? When you finish something like a, a piece of... Uh film or audio, you know, you have to sometimes uh, step back for uh, one, two, three, four decades and, uh, you know, change some things. With the podcast, you know, sometimes it's uh, a little quicker where you'd step back after about four or five minutes and realize that uh, some serious changes need to be made digitally. Mm -hmm. And you thought changing Scott's voice to Bocce was a good idea? 
Oh, yeah, you know, I, I felt it uh, definitely fit thematically, uh, even when uh, he wasn't discussing anything having to do with C-3PO or many languages that he speaks. And setting the theme in space seemed to really add an extra layer to the show itself, even though it's all audio. Well, you know, space is a giant vacuum, and uh, in space I believe they say that uh, nobody can hear you scream, but uh, we've certainly found a way of making sounds like seismic charges work uh, within that vacuum, and we felt that this was the perfect place to carry on the Hitting Play podcast. Mm. And the extended edition of the Hitting Play podcast, uh, why did you think it was necessary for a two-hour battle sequence between Hamish and the leader of this Twi'lek race? Well, there was a greater story that uh, definitely needed to be told. Uh, at the time that Scott and Hamish recorded the episode, it, it definitely couldn't because of the limitations. But with uh, technology advancing as it does, uh, seven minutes later, uh, we can tell that story. And uh, so we put a, a lot of our resources in uh, uh, digitally recreating what that story would have been. Mm. And the reveal of Sean becoming a Sith, what was the idea behind that? Well, I had that idea back when I first met Sean in the early 80s. Uh, there was some, something about this kid that uh, was definitely Sith-like, and, uh, you know, I knew that uh, this would eventually be revealed, uh, that we placed uh, subtle clues and hints uh, throughout uh, the many episodes of Hitting Play, and uh, it was uh, going to reveal itself here. And was it necessary to replace Kevin with a digital sound-alike? You know, Kevin, uh, we don't really specify whether uh, Kevin is uh, a species or a person, and uh, there could be uh, many Kevins that uh, sound very similar. So, uh, you know, that's uh, just one way we decided to go with the character of the Kevins. So join us tonight at 9.30 for this special interview, followed by a brand new episode of Paul's Outback Steakhouse Jamboree. And we're back! Okay, so we next open back in the palace where Lord Toda wants C-3PO destroyed, blaming him for the series of events that caused his daughter to be kidnapped. And again, Lord Toda, the voice of reason here, yeah, you know what? This droid uh, didn't do his job. He ruined a cake. He ruined negotiations. <laughs> he he pretty much allowed a, a prisoner to, to walk free and kidnap his daughter. You know, and his daughter had everything taken care of until he intervened. Yeah, let's uh, let's scrap the thing or wipe them or whatever. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty justified. You know, this robot yeah. is terrible, 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 just <laughs> terrible. This I can't think of one good thing he's done. He seems to run around. Nobody stops him. Put a restraining bolt on that robot. And Darth Vader built him. If they only knew. I think this. You know, it, 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 I mean, well, Anakin built him, not Darth Vader. You know. I'm sure Anakin's out there going, what happened to that robot I built? <laughs> yeah, just wondering, like, I swear he was somewhere, and now I have no idea where my property's at. Well, don't worry, he'll he'll show up in 16 years. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the parts of Rogue One, which they never put in there. It's like Darth <laughs> Vader in the tank going, I really have no idea where my robot is. I built that thing. That's mine. <laughs> that was like a really cool robot. <laughs> so anyway... One thing that uh, Kaibo Ren forgot to take with him when he kidnapped Jaren is his first mate, Jinoba. So, guess what happens? He's imprisoned. He's he's on the planet. Uh, he's actually in the same jail cell that Kaibo Ren was in. And now he's pacing around, but he won't reveal his boss's plans to anybody. Monjulpa is confident, however, that Jan and Jessica will somehow find her. Uh, he's so confident 
that he says if they fail, he will surrender himself to Lord Toda. Julpa asks them to keep Jaren safe because she's special to him. Mm. So we see that there is kind of a, a love story, I, I guess, between the two of them. There's some sort of relationship. That's why the two were walking together to the loading bay, the loading dock. I was like, why, why are they two together? You know, they're from the two different sides. But evidently there's some sort of relationship there. So you're saying, you know, love is all over the galaxy. Sure. So Toda has Julpa held as a prisoner until his daughter is rescued and returned safely. Um, and Julpa is, you know, okay with it. He's willing to be held in place until Jaren is brought back. He's just so confident that our two heroes, Jantosh and Jessica Mead, are going to be able to to find her, find the princess, and bring her back. Now, C-3PO, who was kind of listening in to this conversation, he, you know, kind of up to the, the closed doors listening in, now blames himself. And again, rightfully so. Uh, so now, on his own, C-3PO comes up with an idea. So we cut to the dungeon where Jin Oba is being held. C-3PO opens the door and runs in, pretending to be scared and hiding. And he's saying, you know, hide yourself! The beast knows no bounds! And... Jin is now alarmed at what he's hearing, uh, even though he doesn't really speak English or basic, you know, whatever they call, you know, the language, but as he does understand. Also, well, actually, it's it's funny to look at just the design of this character. Is he wearing, like, a Stormtrooper-y outfit? Or, like, you know, it's like the AT-80 uh, outfit or something? I'm trying to work it out because he's got the, the hat or helmet on his head. Looks very Stormtrooper-y. And the armor that he's wearing is very yeah, stormtrooper-y. I think they all kind of have, like, weird armor and mm. padding. I, I guess if you really want to come with, like, a Star Wars-y explanation, you know, they're pirates, so they kind of cobble together from whatever armor and padding they could salvage from the galaxy. So, sure, you know, you could say that there's probably some sort of trooper armor that he picked up here and there. This looks like it's really jammed on his head there. Like, just this weird <laughs> hat, <Yeah>. helmet thing. <laughs> Now, behind the door, we hear some sort of mechanized clanging. The door opens and a shadow creeps in, which looks very much like R2-D2 with a bunch of claw-like attachments coming from the top of his dome. And as it gets closer, Jin is really scared to the point that his teeth are chattering. <laughs> Finally, R2-D2 enters the cell uh, with pretty much like every one of his like little tool <laughs> arms out. And, and we get the famous R2 scream sound, which he's using here for uh, intimidation purposes, which was pretty funny. I like how this guy seems to be, like, he, the reveal is what he looks like. It's just a droid with all these bits out. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, it's by the way, that's not a metaphor. He literally has all these bits out. It's just, you know, he, a euthanism? Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's just, <laughs> because the thing is, like, the reveal, like, the big sh looming shadow that they have, you know, it's supposed to be scary. But when you see him, it just looks like a robot. That's it. Yeah. Like, shorter yeah. than him doing what it normally does. And he's like, ooh, I'm scared. And he says the beast. That's like, <laughs> obviously a robot. It's a robot that's, that's trying to antagonize you, buddy. And yet he's still scared. It's the same robot that dropped a cake on you earlier today, if you remember. Yeah. They, <laughs> you know? they, they haven't painted him up. They haven't done anything. It's just, there he is again. But with a flathead screwdriver. Also, he's doing all these Inspector Gadgety things. He's got a fan, yes. I think, at one point. There's like this little <laughs> blue fan that's spinning around. Yeah, it's like, great, that could have been useful, you know, on Tatooine when Luke was just, you know, in the heat. Yeah, no, okay, well, maybe he loses it in the next 16 years. Maybe it gets chopped off or something. Yeah, where, where's his jump jets and stuff like that? Yeah, really? Not using those. 
Well, another uh, interesting attachment is he, he deploys this metal ball-shaped device uh, right up to Jin, and it blows what I thought was a cloud of smoke. Yeah. But I guess it's just a gray, lumpy balloon. <laughs> so while this is inflating, C-3PO begs Jin to reveal where Kaibo Ren has taken Jiren, so R2-D2 will stop. Jin backs away to the wall, and he slides to the floor, and he's just so scared of what's ha- about to happen that he says the name Bogden, which uh, is the Swamp Moon of Bogden. Yeah, we've all been to Bogden. Well, here here's an interesting thing. Let's pause here. We have to talk about this. This is one of the few, if not the only element of this entire series to remain in Star Wars canon. Go on. <laughs> so when George Lucas and the crew were working on the prequels, you know, like I mentioned, they try to incorporate a bunch of different details from the cartoons. So in Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, there's a line where Jango Fett reveals that he was recruited by a man named Tyrannus on the moons of Bogdan. Wow. So there there were some other elements from the cartoon that were borrowed in part or perhaps tweaked for the prequel films. Like, for example, the droids first masters that we talked about earlier, you know, they were speeder bike racers. Mm. They participated in an event called the Bunta race. Mm. And this inspired the pod race, you know, on Tatooine with little Anakin that was called the Bunta Eve classic on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, even though we don't see it in this episode, Jan Tosh has a wheel bike which uh, was kind of retconned to be the predecessor to General Grievous's vehicle in Revenge of the Sith. So we get a lot of these uh, instances where elements were referenced or paid tribute to, but this is the only time in which something was introduced in this cartoon, it became canon, and stayed canon, because it was actually carried over into one of the films. As far as this show directly adding to canon, the moons of Bogdan are it. <laughs> this still doesn't sound like a great place to go to. It does not sound like it sounds like a Bogdan sounds like the place you go to to get illegal fireworks. Yeah, so this is like the crazy, far out, swampy place no one would look where Count Dooku could hire a bounty hunter to mess with people. So yeah, it's exactly what it was meant to be, and you know, it stayed canon. You know, who knows? We could see it in the future. So that's where all the roguish people hang out, huh? Bogdan. <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> yeah, rogues like you know, uh Boba Fett, he hangs out there, you know, looking for some work. Also some roguish interior decorators, they need some work. Maybe some uh shunky plumbers. Hmm. Are you being ripped no off by sh- shunky plumbers? Really? You've never seen like news reports about Leo? Are you being what is a sh- you know what shunky is? Bad. No, no not at all. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so n- now I'm speaking in like Star Wars language. It more or less means well, like you know, like bad plumbers but like you know the ones who kind of do it for cheap and like you know i'll do all your you know plumbing for about you know 350 or 3580 you know it's like something like that and like they do an okay job but like they use like you know stuff that they've stolen from other sites or you know (laughs) basically inferior equipment you know that kind of those kind of guys and they and strangely strangely enough we have a, a, a a current affairs shows here in australia which from time to time like to do those pieces where they talk about have you been ripped off by a shonky plumber or shonky uh was it interior decorator you know yeah right, where they, right. they chase them to their house and go you uh, why did you do a work on this person's house if you knew they couldn't afford it what what, what what's what's the deal you know that kind of pushing a microphone in people's faces <laughs> which i'm assuming happens in star wars as well you know there's a tv show 
that people watch about shonky bounty hunters. You, you didn't actually kill the guy. You basically just took his shoes. But did you actually do the job? That's sure. That, that's 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 part of the extended universe, by the way. That's that's an entire book right. called Star Wars: The Shonky Build the Tales. My friend Paul would have read that novel for sure. The audio book <laughs> of it as well. Again, read by Anthony Daniels. So, if there's one thing you take away from this episode, it's the word shonky. Sorry, in Australia, it's a common thing to say. It's it's a guy who's you know not so square. You know, a guy's you know, a little bit yeah. yeah a little bit you know I yeah whatever a guy who isn't very I gotcha, honest. I gotcha. A guy isn't honest. All right, so back to this frightening scene. Don't worry, I wasn't going to leave you guys hanging. The balloon pops. This this gray balloon, this lumpy gray balloon pops right in Jin's face, uh, but with a hail of confetti. <laughs> so what that attachment was used for in the first place, I have no idea. <laughs> Just for parties or something? It, well, here's a confetti balloon thing, which looks like gray gas. It's very <laughs> confusing. Because again, it is. He, his character, that uh, um, the villain character, he basically like looks like he's passes out, and I thought it was the gas affecting him. But the thing right. is, the imagery doesn't work that way for what they're trying to display. Where it's like, oh, it's a balloon that pops. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't look well <laughs> well rendered as a balloon mm. at all. So anyway, it pops, confetti flies everywhere. Ha ha! It wasn't anything. C three PO actually congratulates himself on his performance, and they leave to relay the information to Jan and Jessica. Okay, so next, we cut to Kaibo Ren's hideout on Bogdan. And I wasn't sure, I'm like, is this some sort of building? But if you look again, it's actually a shipwrecked star cruiser. But it's, you know, got algae or what plants or whatever growing on it. It's almost like Luke visiting uh, Yoda in the Dagobah system. Uh, what's funny here is that if you notice, the design is very similar to the Klingon Bird of Prey from Star Trek Three. No, 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 it's Star Wars, Star Wars. Totally Star Wars. <laughs> it, has, yes, it has nothing to do with another show called Star Something Something. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, if you look, it's very, very close. And it's basically the look from The Search for Spock, which came out two years before this series. <laughs> Only two. So, it's unknown, again, uh, unknown thing, whether it's a coincidence that, you know, we just got to create some sort of ship. Or if it's the crew paying tribute, like, hey, we like sci-fi stuff, let's do a little jokey thing and make this look like a bird of prey. Also, while the lawyers are out of the room, let's do this joke. <laughs> it's a loving tribute, nobody cared. They keep covering it up yeah, every time the lawyer walks in, and it's like, what are you guys working on? Nothing! It's like, okay. <laughs> anyway, you guys see the, that movie, Search for Spock? No! No, we haven't. I'm going to keep this screen covered. Now, when we actually cut inside of this thing, it is huge. It's like this giant building, basically. Uh, so we, we cut inside. Jaren is being held in a metal jail cell, and she's walking around. There's a lot of incarcerated pacing in this episode <laughs> for some reason. Uh, Jaren is being watched on surveillance camera by Kaibo Ren, who warns her about the tiger-like creature called a Sungwa, that she will face outside of the door should she try to escape. Well, how about you just lock the door? Yeah. Then you don't need these beasts roaming around. Also, if they kill her, then, well, you got nothing to play with. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you get no chips to play. Right, no no bargaining chips in the negotiations at all. Mm. Uh, Kaibo, we see, is sitting at uh, kind of like a desk, a computerized panel of buttons and monitors, kind of from a control room. 
Uh, behind him, which is a, a weird thing, we see these vine-like tentacles. They're reaching around, they're reaching forward, but when they come close to Kaibo Ren, they're zapped back by a force field that shows itself as a bright green grid when touched. So, I don't know, there's living plants all around, too, for I, some reason? I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, it is only a very short amount of time, and that green thing that kind of pops up is, you know, very brief. But we get we get it. A force field around where he's exactly sitting. Yeah, it's it doesn't make sense. It sets up for something a little bit later. Not a great payoff, but it, they want us to understand there's a force field there. Okay, no problem. So, Kaiba switches the monitor from Jaren in her cell to Toda and Julpa, who are back on Temuzan, and they agree to set all of Kaibo Ren's men free in exchange for Jaren. Uh, the communication ends, and Julpa warns Toda that Kaibo Ren cannot be trusted, and that Jan and Jessica are their only hope. Oh! Uh, I've never heard course, that before. Gotta get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> So we next cut to Jan and Jessica. They're flying a pair of A-wings towards Bogdan and locking on to Kaibo's transmission. <laughs> Sorry, like every time Bogdan, but also if you look at the scene of them when it has like the side-by-side -side of them obviously seemingly flying too close, uh, R2-D2 looks like he's crashed out asleep in the back seat. <laughs> I told you, he's off duty. He, I guess he doesn't connect with an A-wing. He yeah. does not translate. I feel like it's a, it's a long trip. He's like, all right, I'm going to sleep. Because he's, he's got his head, like, forward against the chair in front of him. It's just a weird scene. Sorry. It's like Force Awakens. He's in sleep mode, you know? <laughs> it happens. But, but this looks like snooze mode, where he's like, okay, I'm kind of awake, but uh, just I'm just going to rest my head right here. So they're, they're on their way to Bogdan. Now, locking on to Kaibo's transmission, they're able to pinpoint his exact location and, you know, just go with it. Sure. Okay. So, meanwhile, back on Bogdan, Jaren decides, well, you know what? She's going to face the beast behind the door in order to escape. She's going to go for it. So, she kicks the door open. Again, not locked. Great jail. Mm. She lets the Sungwa run in as she grabs a hold of the vines on the ceiling. But, as we saw earlier, the vines grab back. But she's able to tear herself free and exit the cell. Uh, she then shuts the door jams a flat rock underneath it or something and that traps this beast mm. and this is all happening while kaibo is watching from his desk yeah he doesn't really do anything he just kind of goes well that's happening <laughs> she can't he's just like okay so, okay she's uh, she, she's gone and my vicious attack dog of many has you know tried to attack her and she's fine okay I, I like this next moment here. He kind of angrily accepts the reality of the situation. He's like, oh, okay, that happened. And then he remarks that she'll never make it through the Sungwas. Well, she just made it through one. Yeah. I mean, do you know, what, we, do you know what's going to have to stop her? Maybe like eight of those Sungwas. He needs eight of them at the same time because you see how vicious they are. Those things at no point will stop and think about their actions. They will instantly attack. And we should mention, too, the Sungwas, they're kind of like tigers. Mm. They kind of, like, got long ears. No no stripes, but they're just, like, big yellow cats. Kind of like saber-toothed tigers, I want to say. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like feral Pikachus, almost. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, cutting outside, the A-Wings land on the roof of Kaibo Ren's hideout. And we get a good sense of scale here with the A-Wings landing on top. This hideout is huge. Mm. Inside, the droids detect... 
two human lives, one on the top floor, one on the bottom floor. Well, Jaren's not a human. <laughs> he's, he's like, I, I don't know how he works. He, he's, remember, he did lose a cake. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and he, he, he did run into a guy who used him as a weapon. So, you know, he's been hit in the head quite a few times. Yeah, his circuits are a little scrambled, sure. Mm. So... Two, two living things, I guess. But even then, there's Sungwas everywhere, so whatever. Okay, who knows? So anyway, they decide to split up. C-3PO with Jan and R2-D2 with Jess. Uh, cutting back to Jiren, she's walking these dark, sewer-like hallways until she's encountered by a pair of Sungwas who chase her over to a ledge. Uh, they jump over her, and they join others that are down below. So now... And Jaren is holding on to this bending pipe with five growling Sunwas waiting for her below. Again, I want to say, these Sunwas are terrifying. I mean, like, she got close last time, but yeah, she was able to avoid it. She avoided two more, so the only way these things would ever, you know, attack her... I mean, imagine if she fell into a situation where she was surrounded by these things and it was just... You know, if she was standing there without anything around her, she could be attacked. Because these things, without provocation, will attack. And she's just holding on to a bending pipe. Mm. And it's slowly bending, bending, bending. And it breaks. And she lands, holding it as a weapon, surrounded by Sungwas, as we cut to commercial. And it's great because you know that those monsters are going to attack her so viciously. Again, you know, vicious, vicious animals, which... You know, if they get really close, like, I'm talking like they'd have to be really, really close, maybe like, you know, an inch away from her, and she'd be, I guess, torn apart, which is interesting because in the scene, before it cuts to a commercial, one of those sun was just literally an inch away from her. <laughs> this is what I was leading up to the entire time. Because if you look at it, like, there seems to be, there needs to be a lot of distance or something in between to maybe slow those things down, right? Uh, they mm-hmm. like to jump and they like to attack. And so in this clip, you know, with her, she she lands and she's surrounded. I'm thinking that there should be more distance between these things. But instead, there's, yeah. there's one of them which is animated so close to her, it looks like it's basically sniffing her out. As if he didn't get the memo that they're supposed to be, you know, attacking this woman. You know, and I know she's prepared yeah. with a stick, but even though she's got a metal pipe, she's standing there and nothing happens. Right. <laughs> at yeah, there's, all. There's like five of them. Yeah. And just nothing happens at all. Anyway, we're put into suspense. And when we return, we see that Jan, Tosh, and C-3PO discover Jaren and they try to help. Now, Jan tries to walk across a narrow footbridge, which if you're familiar with anything in Star Wars, narrow footbridges are always bad news. (laughs) But uh, C-3PO, again, this is just so uncharacteristic of this character. C-3PO saying... Oh, I should do something good for once. He just jumps to the floor below, and he, like, jumps back first. Like, I don't, I don't know what kind of jump that was. Yeah, basically, he's, like, he's, you know, doing a cannonball into a, a pool, basically. That's yeah. what it looks like. A pile he, of he, debris. He, yeah, he did not help. No. At all. I don't know what thought process was like, Hey, guys, uh, someone's in trouble? Time for me to jump (laughs) so i don't know if it was that or just jan walking on the narrow path jan slips and now he's holding on by one hand and the sangwas see him so they're growling and snapping at him they can't wait for him to fall now c-3po challenges them to a fight and runs down a corridor as a diversion 
Well, his thing before that, he puts up his dukes. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's puts up his fist and does a little bit of the old uh, shadow boxing. And it's like, who is this guy? Yeah. This is not C-3PO. Not at all. Who's this, who's this guy who wants to go like, you know, five rounds with a bunch of animals? <laughs> and I love he, he throws a punch into the air and it, it throws him off so much that he just goes completely dizzy. And we see things a little bit from his perspective where his vision mm. is all blurred and everything. Mm. This it's is, an odd situation. <laughs> it really is. So anyway, C-3PO runs away. All the Sungwas run after him. So they're gone. So we cut to Kaibo Ren watching all of this, and we get a great line. No one tricks Kaibo Ren. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he so. contacts Tamuzan and tells Lord Toda that, oh, your rescue team has failed. Now, in exchange for Jaren, Kaibo demands his crew, his ship, and Monjulpa, whom, of course, the angry Lord Toda is more than happy to hand over at this point. You know, it's like, oh. Yeah, you want this guy? Yeah, you can have him. So it's yeah. at this point that Jess and R2 find Kaibo Ren in that control room, that upper level. So they decide to rush over, but they're stopped by that green force field that we saw earlier. So that's that's where it comes into play. And of course, now we get the line, No one sneaks up on Kaibo Ren. But they already did, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of did. Also, it's a strange thing. Like when Kaibo Ren's on the uh, monitor talking to those the three guys, yeah, and that little kid with the cap. Uh, strange enough, it feels like it's a bit of a Beastie Boys situation going on there. Especially when that kid kind of fronts up to the camera. <laughs> For some reason, I'm getting kind of Beastie Boys vibe about this. I guess it's just like the haircuts and the look and the kind of way he's just posing at cameras. I don't know. That's 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 my interpretation of that scene. You know, mm -hmm. he's keeping it fresh. So what you what you what you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when he comes up fronting on the camera, um, or perhaps we should have gone intergalactic planetary, but the, whatever. That, that that's later down the line, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, I'm talking yeah. about the you know, the old fresh uh, uh, stylings. <laughs> well, not the not the old when they a punk band, but you know, mid mid section. Right. Anyway, <laughs> license to ill. But yeah, like they sneak up on Kaibo, and I don't know. He's like, I get that Kaibo's got the shield thing; it's very tightly around him. Assumedly, I don't know if Kaibo actually leaves to go to the bathroom or get a sandwich. He's a guy who looks like he loves the sandwich. <laughs> but you know, it's like you know, he's sitting there going, "Nobody sneaks up on Kaibo Ren." And it's like, well, one, they did, and two, they don't know, you know, how to actually get you. And I'm not sure that if you know how to get out of that situation, because doesn't he have to go through the laser grid to go back out or is he just gonna sit that control panel the entire time he can shut it off when when he wants mm. you think you'd like swing around in that swivel chair and you'd snag it with your elbow and fry yourself mm. or something but yeah. Uh, yeah yeah he can turn it on and off but it's a very impractical setup he has mm. so yeah so Je jess and r2d2 they fall down on the floor and that's where the vines pick them up so now they're they're holding them so I'm, again, this is one of the things I had, had in my notes. Uh, with R2-D2 on the ground, I mean, it, he does one thing, which is lift, lift up his leg, and that's it. But in, <laughs> in a way, sorry, like, I thought they're going to get up and maybe, like, he'll roll around. But the thing is, like, the animation kind of goes, leg goes up, and that's it. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Oh. So he just looks like a guy going, all right, give me a minute. You know, he's just lying on the ground. Hamish, this was half a million dollars, you know? So th there was only so For much. that? <laughs> For that one thing, it's just like, half a million dollars, I want that leg raised. 
Raise that leg. It's all part of the plot and all part of the story. I need it up. I'll have to probably do a better George Lucas impression. Make him do it. Lift his leg up. Just do it now. <laughs> it has to be better. It's all part of the plot. Okay, I gotta leave. I gotta go back to the editing suite. He'll never be a guest now. Great. <sighs> well, you know, we're close. Orbiting that, you know, just just send him an email to say, "Hey George, we really love your work. Please don't listen to the other podcast where we make fun of you, <laughs> but please come onto the show." Also, do you have JJ Abrams' number? So, cutting back to Jan and Jaren, they hear C three PO when the sun was coming from this big hole leading down to a lower level. Uh, it's a little confusing as to what happens here because there's a bright light shining from this hole in the floor, and all of a sudden the sun was jump out and run away. Uh, Jan and Jaren jump down to find C-3PO, and we see that his arm is broken off, it's detached, you know, it's funny, just like Force Awakens, uh, mm. be another time who loses his arm. And uh, it look, I think his legs are broken as well, so he's not able to walk or move around. Mm. But we never see how he's able to defend himself. Something powerful happens, but uh, yeah, never see it. I'm assuming he pulled off his own arm to attack, <laughs> attack the evil... Dog beasts. Sure. That's that's my assumption. You know, yes. he's like, oh no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get away from me, or I'll beat you with my own arms. You know, when beforehand he was ready to just beat them up with his own bare robotic hands. <laughs> so we next cut to uh, Kaibo Ren's ship, which is now being piloted by Jin Oba, and it's making its way to Bogden with other pirates from Kaibo's gang, along with the captive Monjulpa. Because uh, if you remember, that was part of the negotiations. He wants his ship, he wants his crew, he wants Munjulpa as his prisoner. So they're agreeing to it. Tota's mm -hmm. sending them all over to Bogdan in exchange for his daughter. And the ship jumps to hyperspace, which here in this cartoon series looks like a glowing magenta streak. Yeah, does it not? I guess. <laughs> I mean, in, in reality, maybe that's what the, it will look like. Sure, but not so much in the movies, but that's okay. So, <laughs> we have to keep our minds open to this imagination. So cutting back to Kaibo Ren's control room, Jess and R2 are now covered in vines. They're suspended from the ceiling. Kaibo puts on this backpack, which is attached to a <laughs> blaster, uh, to hunt down the rest of the rescue team. Yeah, he basically has a wardrobe change, I think. Yeah. yeah that, that skull motif and the out thing changes while he puts on like a, you know, a padded vest. And the, what, he yeah, changed in front of them? I don't know. Maybe that's part of the torture. <laughs> I guess. Ah, you will see Kyber Renz, Calvin Kleins. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm going to bend over just slightly too far. Oh, Red Skull undies. Come on now. Uh, I think it's a tattoo that's on his butt cheek. <laughs> Enough of that. So anyway... Uh, he demonstrates this this blaster pack by blasting his own chair, which is like, oh, that's great. <laughs> Enjoy <Sorry>. standing. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, ha, ha Why would he destroy his control panel? It doesn't make sense. But it's funny, this this blaster pack, it's very similar to what we see Baze Malbus use in Rogue One. Not red, if this is gray. But uh, kind of a similar idea. Kind of neat. So after Kaibo Ren leaves to hunt down Jan and Jaren, Jessica notices that he shut down that force field. So she tells R2 that they need to get to that surveillance system to warn Jan. Well, R2 uses one of these mechanical arms. We saw earlier he has like a thousand of them. 
and he just kind of cuts through the vines. And from here, we cut to Jaren and Jan carrying C-3PO as they try to find their way around these swampy hallways. So at the moment, it's uh, Jan, Jessica, Joba. <laughs> Again, a lot of J names in this episode. Yes. Jopa, Jaren, Jan, Jessica. Yeah. Golly. They don't make it easy on us. No, they don't. <laughs> so just then Jessica gets on the loudspeaker to warn them that Kaibo is coming for them and his men are on the way. Uh, evidently, she got out pretty quickly. Uh, so Jan, Jaren, and C-3PO hide under some debris and Kaibo Ren shows up. He's looking around for them. But they're hiding, I guess, well enough that he doesn't see them. Now R2 shows up and quickly turns a corner, sending the Sunwas that were hot on his trail directly at Kaibo Ren. <laughs> okay. The, the, again, those, those beasts are hungry for flesh or blood or I don't know what they eat. People, things, everything. Who knows? We never see them actually catch anything. Nice. So... With Kaibo being chased away, Jess makes her way to them. She guides the group to Kaibo's ship. Now, when they arrive, Kaibo's pirate gang is there waiting, and they're laughing. And C-3PO once again blames himself and says that familiar phrase, We're doomed. Classic, classic C-3PO. Yes. Soon after, Kaibo shows up too, declaring, It takes more than a pack of yapping sungwas to catch Kaibo Ren. Apparently it does. <laughs> it really does. Also, I like how he's been a little bit roughed up. His um, weapon stick, what do you call it, is now bent. Yes. So it's like, yeah. yeah. did you shoot them or did you hit them with the stick? Like, did you forget how that thing works? Yeah, it's like a lightsaber yeah. thing or something. I yeah, don't know. It's, like, it's like in the heat of the moment. It's like, I don't know how this works. I'll just start hitting them. <laughs> he wasted it all on his chair. That's what happened. He's out of power. <laughs> It takes like half an hour for it to recharge. It's like, ha ha, <laughs> goodbye, chair. And now I have to wait. X Dang the it. Eliminator. <laughs> yeah, it's got that dick, 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 Come on, come on. Tubes. <laughs> so we get kind of a little moment of comedy here where Kaibo Ren is like, oh, so happy to see you or, you know, something like that. And he runs over to warmly embrace his ship runs over and hugs his returning ship poor uh, Jin Oba thought that he was going to be getting a hug but no now Munjilpa standing there remember he's captive so he's in, in these glowing space handcuffs cool. he demands that Kaibo fulfill his end of the bargain you know I'm here your ship's here your men are here now give Jaren back to her father Lord Toda but Kaibo refuses, saying, you know, I had no intention of following through. So wait, 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 you're saying he wasn't going to follow through like he changed the deal? Believe it or not, the criminal space pirate changed the deal, even though it was talked about that he is not to be trusted and most certainly would do this exact thing throughout wow. the whole episode. He changed the deal? I was praying he wasn't going to change it further. <laughs> so... Kaibo laughs at saying that Munjulpa is just as big a fool as Lord Toda. Julpa replies that he is no fool, and neither is Lord Toda. He then strikes a button on the side of the ship, opening a hatch, revealing Lord Toda standing there with all of his guards. Wow. And so now, now we get a fight scene. We as much of a fight scene as we can get in this, you know, 80s kids cartoon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not violent as such. It's very comedic in a way 
I just like how R2D2 kind of springs into action, but the thing is, because he's a cartoon character, he looks like a marshmallow, which kind of <laughs> jiggles into into a weird battle roll. I don't know what you call it, but it's like because you know, I thought you think he's a, like a metal trash can with legs, but instead he kind of just morphs and wiggles around and kind of goes into action, <laughs> which is the weird. It does make the- me hungry for marshmallows, though. <laughs> There's a there's a lot of uh, yeah running around, a lot of pushing and flipping, and some long range blasting, which never really connects. But you know, it's a typical type of '80s Saturday morning cartoon fight. Actually, there's something weird about the those guards' blasters. You know, the staffs like they they look like staffs, right? Yeah. And like you think they shoot out of the the tip, right? But again, if you notice, he has to hold it up, and they shoot from the side near the tip. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like it doesn't shoot from like the end, like um, I'm pointing a staff and firing it. They have to kind of yeah. lean it up, and there's like a a, a slit at like on the side that fires yeah. out, and it seems very awkward to use that thing. Yeah, that is weird. It's just a weird. I mean, I get it. It's just, we're in space, and the technology is crazy, but like it just seems like a very awkward kind of aiming system where it's like if I have to use this thing, I charge at you with it, but then I have to tilt it up and fire, but hopefully aim it at you in some way, or I'm holding it the <laughs> right way. You know, it hasn't rolled in my hand a little bit. Yeah. Mm. But also, it's good to notice that this being a typical 80s fight, there's always one person who gets covered in some sort of orange fudge. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> you see, like, that guy gets tossed to the ground by um, the princess, and then, you know, he, he, he pops out with a... I don't know. I want to say it's some sort of, like, fudgy Fanta flavoring or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, you're, talk, you're talking about R2-D2 spraying the R2-D2, guy. R2-D2, yeah. R2-D2 yeah. spraying the guy with some sort of fudgy drink. I don't know. It looks cake like frosting. It, yeah, it looks like cake frosting. Maybe maybe it's just, you know, a new flavor of Fanta. I don't know. It just looks so weird because the guy just lies there and goes, ah! And that's <laughs> it. It's like, ah, oh, I can't deal with the flavor. It's too extreme. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's what they were going to use to decorate the cake, you know, in the beginning of the episode, you know? When, yeah. Once they brought it into the room, he was going to put on the finishing touches, and he figured, hey, I got this stuff. Yeah, because he really nails the guy with it, and the guy just kind of clutches his face and is not really seen anymore. He's covered in, like, a blob, <laughs> which the princess kind of gives a quick thumbs up, as if, you know, yep, you, you did that. You did something. <laughs> Good work, magic trash can. <laughs> At one point in this fight, too, uh, Lord Toda throws a scepter-looking weapon to Monjulpa. Mm. And it looks pretty much looks like a gold scepter, but I don't know. It, he uses it to either defend or shoot blasts. It's hard to tell. But it basically is showing us that they are truly allies now. Good. Good. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad peace can reign across the galaxy now. Well, well at least on Tamazon. Yeah, on Tamazon. Yeah. At least they're yeah. not you know, messing each other's stuff up. <laughs> now Kaibo Ren tries to make a break for the exit, but he trips over the broken C3PO that's, you know, just kind of propped there and he falls. <laughs> Cause, yeah, cuz sorry, it's like when he's running towards it, the the shot is of the d- closed door and C3PO just lying there, but it zooms in slowly, but C3PO looks like he's just he's not animated at all. He's just no. lying there like garbage. Yeah, exactly. But somehow Kaibo trips over him. Uh maybe not the most agile Star Wars villain, so yeah, can't can't do it. Uh, right. Meanwhile, we cut over, and the rest of the pirates are apprehended as well. You know, so while while the camera was 
panning away to something else. Oh yeah, all the rest of the pirates got captured. So yeah, yeah, they, they kind of just like, well, we can't animate that. We'll just say it happened. You yeah, know, just read the scene as it plays along. But like, yeah, I think it was at C-3PO uses his entire body and kind of like looks at the camera and goes, oh well, and just rolls, like falls <laughs> over. And then you see the next shot of Kaibo Ren's butt hanging in the air <laughs> as C-3PO is basically yep. just looking right at him. Like a, he basically, I know, C-3PO has this kind of crash test dummies vibe about himself in this scene. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's just like, well, this is what I do for a living. That is funny. Yeah, that's true too. Crash test dummies, which... They became very popular uh, a few years after this, maybe like 92 or so, through cartoons and uh, commercials and stuff. Very, mm. very similar thing, yeah. I mean, those toys were amazing, though. Like, they fall apart. Yeah. You never got those toys? I got them. I have them. Yeah. You push the button on their stomach and, like, either their face... Was it one of the guys, his face explodes and he does crazy things? Another one, all the, the, all the arms and bits and pieces fall off? And I yes. understand that that's a nightmare today because they're worried about kids swallowing you know arms and legs and things like that yes. too many small pieces so anyway we cut back to tamuzan a lot of time has passed now they're back home uh we see the now fixed c-3po and he's explaining to jaren's little brother kobe how the rescue team had to keep kaibo ren busy while Munjulpa and lord toda constructed a secret compartment in kaibo's ship before it was returned like okay. what <laughs> That secret hatch, that was built onto the ship. They had to design it <laughs> and construct it to hold all of, you know, not only Lord Toda, but all of his guards, this whole army. They made the, the trip with them and everything. It, it, and the whole idea that they were going to keep Kaibo Ren busy. Like, this, the rescue team was just going to distract him. Like, what? <laughs> like, they couldn't just normally hide in his ship? Or take another ship. Follow it stealthily follow it or something but they do have that line are, are you sure you weren't followed or something like that but whatever yeah so next julpa and toda enter the throne room where toda thanks julpa and the others for the safe return of his daughter jaren now jessica says it's time for her to leave the group and she's going to return to tyne's horky and focus on her freighter business okay some great names here tyne's horky Tynes Hawkey sounds like a, a brand of margarine spread or some sort of jam. Mmm, <laughs> yes. enjoy your morning with some Tynes Hawkey. <laughs> so, uh, Jan is kind of, a, you know, kind of disappointed anyway, kind of sad to see his friend go. Uh, the droids, Monjolpa and Jan Tosh say their goodbyes to her. Now we finish with Kobe asking C-3PO to once again recount the tale of single-handedly stopping Kaibo Ren, but C-3PO admits, well, it was all due to having good friends. Uh... He pats R2-D2 on the dome, and <laughs> we kind of zoom in on R2-D2, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Ambish, what are your thoughts now upon watching droids for the very first time in your life? Will it be the only time? Yes. <laughs> same here <laughs> i i mean i'm not saying the animation is bad or no, no. dated it's just you know it's just i'm an adult you know and i crave deeper stories with richer narrative which is why i'm still <laughs> watching star wars today it is baffling like i gotta say like star wars has survived a lot of things in every shape and every form i wish this show i mean the show did exactly what it needed to do kept the spark alive Yep. It told a story that you've never seen before. It kept kids entertained while the parents 
you know, got at least half an hour to themselves. Probably sold. It had toys. Like there's a toy line I know of droids. Yeah, I got some notes. The, I got some notes here on that stuff. Yeah, including the new characters who we never see again. But <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was 1985, 1986, so it's been a mm. couple years. They never knew that there was going to be uh, a prequel trilogy, and then they were going to work on a reboot trilogy and anthology movies, and then there would be Star Wars every year forever, and a whole bunch of cartoons and all that stuff. They never knew that, so it was basically, how do you keep some of the story alive? You, know, you have these cartoons, and if you liked Star Wars and you loved it and you wanted to see more, this was the only way you were going to get it. And yeah. for what it is, like you said, animation, not that bad. Story, a little dumb, a little complicated, but, you know, whatever. It's it's Star Wars. And that's it. It's, it I mean, like, you look at shows like, um, I mean, they've done multiple cartoon shows before, and they, uh, you know, from time to time, they take chances, like the original Clone Wars series they had. You know, they short little animated bits and pieces. Yeah, highly effective. I mean, you know, you love Samurai Jack, and you watch these animated things, and you're like, this is amazing. This is fantastic. Because it, it, it did. It helped flesh out some characters and help um, keep the flavor alive. Uh, and then they had the other Clone Wars series, you know, 3D animation. And that's it. The, mm-hmm. the show's you know, been around. There's been different properties of Star Wars. I mean, not all of it great. And many of them, you know, turning into fan favorites. You know, if like Shadow of the Empire, that video game series. And that's it. It's like, you know, it's, it's Star Wars has tried different things. And, you know, I guess that's what happens if, you know, you can't just keep focusing on Luke, Han, and Leia. Because, you know, there's a point where it's like, all right, we've kind of had a gut full of these characters. You know, there's there's only so much you can ream from those characters, and you need to keep them very special, I assume. I guess maybe that's some of the thought process. But characters like, yeah, R2-D2 and C-3PO, yeah, they can roam about. Plus, because they're almost ageless. You know, you can put them at yeah. any time, anywhere, any place, and explain, oh, they're droids on a mission, or working for somebody, or they've been bought yet again. <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 a show which did its darn best, but I can't say I'm gonna be like, hey, let's go watch another episode, right? But you know, I'm glad we we watched it and checked it out. It's it's kind of interesting their first attempt at a prequel, and I, I kind of like the fact that there was just this one little detail that snuck into canon. So mm. the moons of Bogdan, and there you go. Now, droids also did have some notable commercial tie-ins. I just want to mention this. In 1985, Kenner had a toy line, but actually, you know, it didn't end up selling that well. Star Wars wasn't really in the center of pop culture anymore. It had been a couple of years, and it just didn't end up doing that great. Uh, In 1986, Marvel released a droids comic book title under their Star Comics imprint, and uh, issues number one through three were drawn by the legendary artist John Romita Sr. Now, only a few months ago, uh, at the time we're recording, Marvel re-released Droids number one as part of their True Believer series. So you could still probably check this issue out for about a dollar if you really wanted to. Now, uh, the Droids comic book series only lasted eight issues, but of particular interest are the final three issues because they attempt to tell the story of A New Hope from the perspective of the droids. They, they want to give you new angles of the movie, which I, I appreciate. That's kind of a, an interesting mm. take. Instead of giving us Tamuzan and blah, 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 and Joey Jojo and all these guys that try to run around and do stuff. Yeah, let's uh, let's take a different angle on the movies and see if we can add anything to the story. So I appreciate that. By the way, Joey Jojo, he's the best character. I'm surprised he doesn't get enough play. 
that's the worst name I ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one guy keeps walking past going, that's the worst name I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> no, come oh, back. Joey Jojo. <laughs> Uh, also, I should mention too, speaking of comics, Dark Horse, when they took over Star Wars comics from Marvel, they continued some droid stories from the mid to late 90s. They did this. So there, there's some droids tales mixed in there. Also, 1988, they, this did have a video game, which I, I was not able to look up. I do want to see if there actually is any footage of this, but it was released for the ZX Spectrum, the Amstrad <laughs> CPC, and the Commodore 64, but reportedly, they were almost immediately pulled from shelves because a rights issue was discovered with the end theme. Like, what was it, the Star Wars theme, or was it like the trouble again? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was not able to find out what the theme was that they had trouble with. Uh, trouble again, I, I guess they had trouble again, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's, the, that's the problem that they actually had. It was like, excuse me, are you using trouble again? Again? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Like, was it just the Star Wars theme? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it was the the end theme from the cartoon was the end theme there. And, you know, I don't know who owns what. Uh, who knows? But it was just some sort of issue. Imagine that, going through all that work making this video game, and then <laughs> gets pulled for that. Just Anthony yeah. Daniels seems to be really working his magic on any, any shape and any form of Star Wars. Yes. And, you know, I you know, I, I don't... Like, other people would probably think, like, oh, he's like Eric Idle beating a dead horse. He's really just <laughs> hanging around. But, yeah, Anthony Daniels is really... As a guy who's committed to Star Wars as a brand and a character, it's just... Wow. You think of the first time he did it to now. Like, even I think his voice is also in the Star Wars Battlefront game. He also still does the voice of the character in the um, Star Wars Rebels whenever he pops mm -hmm. up. And it's just... Wow, that's commitment, man. All right, and that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, who can or can't sneak up on you, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Now, Hamish, do you have anything you want to plug? People want to find me. I'm on Twitter at Silent Hamish. You can talk at me if you want. I'm on Instagram at Silent Hamish if you want to see the bizarre stuff I post. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Silent Hamish Art where I... I have that there, so I've covered that base. Uh, I still got to post up more bits and pieces. It's just, you know, it's there for people to find me. It's a thing. Uh, if you want to buy a shirt my face on it, I made made a Redbubble account where you can buy a shirt oh, nice. with my face on it. Um, <laughs> that's if you want that. <laughs> I It's basically just there because, you know, I, um, you know people might want that shirt. That's great. We'll put the link to that in our description of, of this podcast. So ch yeah, check that out. I, I will throw it up there. By the way, it's not themed in any way. Well, it's not like isn't like when I say it's not themed anyway. I created this piece. I thought it was great. I actually do own a shirt myself. There's a photo of me I can show you with the shirt. I saw on. that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a it's a good fashion choice. And if I ha wear it around my brother, I usually say to my brother, "I don't think I'm self-absorbed," and he says, "I can't take you seriously with that shirt on." <laughs> But anyway, it's, it'll be a great, great gift for any of your friends just to really baffle them. Yes, un un yeah, unfortunately, definitely. Unfortunately, it's not, not hitting play themed. But uh, if you want, please badger Scott to create some hitting play merchandise. I'm yeah, talking, yeah, we could maybe. I'm, I'm talking drink coasters, drink cozies, teapot covers. I can't think of anything relative to the young hip kids now because if I say hoverboard, <laughs> it's not a hoverboard. It's just a wheelboard. God. But hey, 
get on that. See if you can get your, get a get some merchandise. Get you merchandise. Make merchandise. Yeah, we'll see. The hitting play clock. No. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll talk we'll talk about this off the air. But for now, there's the uh, the the Hamish egotistical line of uh, apparel that you can <laughs> get on Redbubble. <laughs> it's it's one shirt, and it's not it's the egotistical line. <laughs> but you know, it's it's basically an image I I made and put together. But you know, enjoy that. Uh, uh, there's there's a random thing, and plus, it's a good yes. talking point because you wear it around people. They ask you who is that, and you go. Well, and then you get in this whole other subsection of talking about footnotes and things like that. And <laughs> at the end of this three-hour conversation you have with somebody, they're like, okay, and then they walk away. <laughs> Never to be seen again. Beautiful. Well, I am on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Instagram there. My name is MC underscore and underscore Friends. And because Vine died, I post some of my flip page animations there, as well as uh, little drawings and humorous cartoons and stuff like that. So you can check me out there. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. For Android users, we are also available to stream in or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio, as well as the Google Play Music app, so you can check us out there. And if you have a Roku device, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel. You can set Hitting Play as a favorite, and you can listen to these episodes right as they're posted. You can stream them right from your television. Well, we have been Hamish and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. And may the force be with you, unless it's a knockoff version, which you found at a $2 shop, then you don't want that. Is that a bird? <laughs>